0: We're about to begin our um, the first proper lecture, the theme talk for the conference, inshallah. alhamdulillah wahdahu wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabi ba'dahu, nabiyuna muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa anna ma'ahum ila yawmiddin. Ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lah, I'd like to welcome uh, Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick, who is going to be one of our principal lecturers at this event. This is now going to be the theme talk, so the title of the lecture is exactly the same as the title of the conference, um, which is um, Being Like Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Society's Best Hope. Mercy to Mankind, Hope for Humanity. A few words of introduction about Sheikh Abdullah before we proceed. It's only proper that we understand very clearly the background of the the people who are presenting their lectures, inshallah. Uh, Sheikh Abdullah has a BA from the Islamic University of Medina. And an MA and a PhD from the University of Toronto in Islamic and African Affairs or histories, rather. He has served as an imam and a da'i for quite a long while in various parts of the, of the world, but chiefly in America, uh, starting with the uh, LA, Los Angeles in the USA, and then in Kingston, Jamaica, and then, of course, Toronto, Canada. He has traveled to about 37 countries worldwide, alhamdulillah, um, entering in, into discussion and participating in events and giving talks, Dialogues, debates And many things like that So he has a wide field of experience And a lot of uh, information to uh, uncover In front of us, inshallah Um, Since 1984 And rather in 1984 He did special lectures in Mecca uh, At the the Masjid Al-Haram On behalf of Islamic Consciousness Group uh, Something during the Hajj That they put together For particularly the Hajjis English-speaking Muslims and presently he's, presently, he's now head of Da'wah, uh, Da'wah Department in uh, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, and part of the Muslim uh, Judicial Council as well, and a senior lecturer at Darul al-Arqam Institute in Cape Town. Now, Sheikh Abdullah prefers to talk for about 45-50 minutes, perhaps. After that, we'll have about 20-25 minutes' worth of uh, q and um, Could I briefly uh, mention one or two other housekeeping rules um, because some people are asked or requested permission to put their recording devices on the table or on the platform. Unfortunately, we don't allow that personal recording on the platform. But if you want to record any lectures by yourselves from where you are or near the loudspeakers anywhere else apart from the p- platform on table, you are more than welcome. You're welcome to make copies and give to other people as well. But it helps us not to have clutter and not to have intrusion into pictures and so forth. So... I have to apologize to all the brothers who requested me that we allow them to record lectures on the platform. But without further further ado, uh, Shaykh Abdullah Hakim quick. Is that more of it? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.
1: <laughs> Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wal-aqibatil al-muttaqeen. Wa la <laughs> idwana illa ala al-dhalimeen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahtahu la sharika la. Wa ashadu anna Muḥammadan abduhu wa rasooluh sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa asḥābi. وَمَنْ دعا إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الدِّينِ وَسَلَّمْ تَسْلِيمًا أما بعد. praises are due to Allah, Lord of the worlds. And surely the best reward in the end is for those who have taqwa. And surely there is no animosity except for the oppressor. And I bear witness that Allah is one and has no partners that Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, is his servant and his last messenger. May Allah always and constantly send peace and blessings to Muhammad and to his family, his companions, and all those who call to his way and establish his sunnah to the day of judgment. As to what follows, I begin with the greeting words of the righteous. Assalamu Alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullah. And I bring you special uh, salams, greetings, and feelings of solidarity from your brothers and sisters in the southern region of Africa. I bring you salams from a land of great despair and great hope. There is great despair stalking the land in South Africa today. It is the front lines of many of the world's crises as you may be well aware, it is considered to be the epicenter of HIV AIDS. In some parts of Southern Africa, it is said that one out of every four people are HIV positive. They predict well, that millions of people will die within the next 10 to 20 years, and they look upon it as a plague or an epidemic, even worse than the black plague, bubonic plague, some of the other major plagues that have hit humanity. There is a great debate going on in South Africa as to what really is AIDS. Uh, Allah knows best. Um, It is said that it comes from a virus, but there's also proof to show that the immune system breaks down from malnutrition, uh, from tuberculosis, from hepatitis, there's a number of ways that the immune system can break down. Whatever it is, whether it's a man-made biological weapon, whether it's divine punishment for the sins of humanity, whatever it is, it is striking us. And we are suffering at this point in a terrible way. Also, the abuse of drugs, unemployment, petty crime we are at the epicenter of of a lot of the world's ills. But at the same time, there is great hope. Because in this region, we are watching a transformation going on. Without a bloody rebellion, we are watching the poor masses of the people rising up and taking control uh, of the means of production of a major world power. It is said there is hope for an African renaissance, for a rebirth of life within the African continent. And it is my prayer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that those poor, the oppressed, who are rising up in the southern region, that they can realize this renaissance through Islam. Because surely the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate solution to all of our problems. And so it is my prayer at the outset that the Sutu, the Swana, Khosa, Zulu, the Khoisan people, the southern part of Africa, it is my prayer that Allah would accept them and enter them into Islam. I also pray that indigenous people in other parts of the world who have borne the brunt of colonialism, apartheid and slavery for centuries, the aboriginal people in Australia, the aboriginal people in America, North America, Caribbean, South America, the captured political prisoners of war, African American slaves and their descendants. It is my prayer that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would enter them into Islam in crowds and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would help us all together along with the oppressed to reflect upon the divine blessing he has given us with his words. Because this Qur'an that was revealed through Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was not only the road map in his time but it is our light in the time of darkness. And Muslims now are in need of this light. We are in need of this surety in our hearts. When we are being demonized and we are being attacked, we are being wrongfully accused. Of terror and harm in this world, we seek refuge with the oppressed people of the world. In the words of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who has told us, "A'udhu biLlahi Allah has informed us. Whoever fears Allah and keeps his duty to him He will make a way out for him From every difficulty And he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will provide for him From sources he could never imagine And whoever puts his trust in Allah Then Allah is sufficient for him Surely Allah will accomplish his purpose And indeed Allah has set a measure For all things and so we see in this divine light given to us that the mahraj of all of our problems is through taqwa. Through the khauf raja'ah, the hope and the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This wiqayah, the shield surrounding the believer which influences us in everything that we do. And we also learn that Allah would provide for us from where we know not. If we have tawakkuk, if we ultimately depend upon him and when the time gets rough that we say to ourselves hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakeel no matter what happens that we say to our, ourselves and we believe Hasbun Allah wa ni'mal wakeel that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the ultimate Accounter, and he is the one who protects and so muslims are at a great crossroads And I can say, I can safely say that humanity at this point in time is at a great crossroads. On the one direction is imminent destruction, chaos, mass confusion that can happen in a way that has never been seen by humanity before. On the other road, the other path is the possibility insha'Allah of a new era of justice, equality, and peace. But it is crucial for us to be sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to humbly speak to each other from our hearts, not just intellectually from our minds, but that we speak from the inner depths to the Muslims and also to the non-believers. In a series of recent conferences held in southern Africa and in other parts of the world, Scientists have found that we are, as a human race, in a serious crisis. And when they came together in one of the groups, the World Watch Institute, when they came together to try to analyze the movement of life, the state of the world, politically, economically, socially, they found out that the greatest threat to the stability of humanity today is not terror. It is not a small group of people out to destroy the world. But that the greatest threat to the stability of every nation today is the environment. And the second greatest threat is the inequality between the rich and the poor. These two elements themselves have the capability of destabilizing every aspect of life. What we are feeling and realizing now, in this summer, and in the UK, you tasted it. You tasted the brunt of this. The temperature rose up. I was here just uh, 10 days ago, and the temperature rose up, and they said it was the hottest day ever recorded um, in London. I'll take it a step further. The scientists have now reached the conclusion that the year 2003 is the hottest year on written record. And the temperatures in the Northern Hemisphere are higher than any temperature they believe in the past 1,000 years. We are in a period of global warming, the greenhouse effect, the misuse of technology, the gases, Carbon dioxide and other gases rising up. The destruction of the ozone layer. And because of this, the polar ice caps are melting. The water is rising. And recently, the president of the Maldives, which is an island state, set of islands off the coast of India, uh, came to, to, to South Africa and he pleaded with the nations of the world that they should change their budgets that they should stop destroying the environment and use the blessings that they have received in order to enhance life, to to, to benefit not only humanity, but the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because the way it is set up now, the polar ice caps are melting, and if it continues within 20 years, well, Iyadu Billah, nations like the Maldives would be underwater, totally underwater. And so we pleaded to the nations of the world. It is also found that one-third of the fish in the sea have been depleted. One-half of the world's rivers are polluted. Fresh water is running out all over the world. We are destroying the ancient rainforests. And so the very earth itself, the earth is reacting to us as a human race. The earth is crying out for mercy. Somebody... Some nation, something that would change the course of the relationship of people with the environment. But Allah subhanahu wa taala warned us of this, and we have this amongst us. In Surah Rum, verse three, uh, forty-one, Allah has told us, "Dhahar al fasado fil barri wal baha, Bima ma kasabat nas li yuzikhum ba'd amilu la yarjiun." Corruption has appeared on the land and the sea because of what man's hands have done. We will make them taste something of what they have earned in order that they would return to the path. And so when people misuse technology, misuse the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, corruption appears on the land and the sea. And it is interesting to go back in time to our great uh, Salaf, to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and to see how they felt in terms of, of this ayah. It's so interesting to see their knowledge, their wisdom even shining today in the world. In terms of al-fasad fil barri wal bahar. Qatada thought that it is a shirk, it is polytheism. That polytheism would be stalking the land. Abdullah ibn Abbas, anh, said it would be the killing of the children of Adam, killing each other. Murder would be widespread. He also said that this fasad fil barri wal baha, it would manifest itself in the form of droughts uh, and tillat al nabat, that actually the, the, the vegetation would, would decrease, was he al baraka that blessings would be gone from the land. And many of the older generation can remember, you go back 20 or 30, 40 years, even time itself seemed different. Even wealth that we have, it seemed like it, it would last longer. It's like barakah is being raised uh, out of the earth itself. In terms of uh, this same uh, concept of the fasad fil barri wal baha. Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anh, he said al Baraka bi a'mal al ibad that it is a decrease in the barakah, the blessing would decrease because of the sins of people in order that they would return to the path. In terms of the ocean, it is reported in the tafsir of Al Qurtabi, that Al Fasad Fil Baha. It is in Qita' Sayyid al-Baha that that the fish in the sea would be depleted, that they would decrease because of the sins of humanity. And so we see it coming to pass in front of our eyes, the environment is turned against us. But Muslims have the answer. We are the society that was blessed with a holistic approach to science, approaching science with Tawheed, remembering the creator of the heavens and the earth, looking upon science and knowledge and technology as an amanah, the concept of khalifa, of being the vice agent, the representative of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the technology that we have, the blessings that we have, the power that we have, is not to build our, our, our reputations, it is a trust. It is a trust that that we would take care of the environment and, and, and that we would be responsible for things around us. We are also finding ourselves as a humanity in an economic crisis. The system of interest and usury, as our previous speaker had said, we are suffering in this system. And it is now come to the surface that in terms of the wealth on this planet, That twenty percent of humanity consumes ninety percent of the resources. That two thirds of humanity live on less than two dollars per day. Two thirds of humanity. So where is the trust? Where is the amana? Why is it why why is it unequal like this? Is it is it a God given right of certain people because of their color or because of their language? Or because of their weapons that they deserve more food, they deserve better technology? Surely it isn't. And this system is imploding on itself. A destruction is about to come even in the Western countries because of the system falling in and caving in. One of the presidents of the United States, to quote even from the United States itself, I quote you from Abraham Lincoln, who was famous as the president who fought against slavery. And he said, I see in the near future a crisis approaching that unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of my country. Corporations have been enthroned. An era of corruption will follow and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudices of the people until the wealth is aggregated in a few hands and the republic is destroyed. He saw it himself. This is in the 1860s the rise of the multinational corporations, an era of corruption, an international elite controlling the wealth, and then any inkling of freedom, even in their own secular concepts would be totally lost. And so, people are beginning to cry out for mercy. And those who have lived within this this system of interest and usury, know what I'm talking about. Bonds, mortgages. Once you have that bank in back of you, it is like a slave master breathing down your throat and you're paying back a debt over and over and over again, and you can't pay your debts, there's no mercy upon you. And so people are crying out for mercy. The Muslims have the answer. We have a workable, interest-free, usury-free system. It is a tried and tested system, that if it is updated for the amount of people that we are dealing with today, can solve the economic crisis of this planet. We find ourselves also as humanity in a spiritual crisis. Confusion, the confusion of polytheism. As you heard from the previous uh, Mother Teresa herself, who was considered to be one of the the so-called holiest people in Christendom. No spirituality Man-worship, frustration of atheism. Where are we going? And now, there's a rise in magic. And those who have traveled in the world realize there is a rise of the Sahara. As in the time of Fir'aun, and in many points in history, the Sahara are on the rise. And you see many people going now to fortune tellers. There are mediums now who supposedly talk to your dead ancestors and they tell you what's going on in your family. And so the average people are now crying out and going to these mediums and these fortune tellers and even amongst Muslims. If we start to talk about the jinn or fortune tellers or you know, everybody's eyes will start to get big. And so we are seeing the rise of magic. The Christian church is in shame. And the recent induction of leading officials into the Anglican church, homosexuals into the into the church has put the church in a crisis. Their sources are right in front of them. But yet they are completely contradicting their sources. And Muslims have the answer we have the message, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ You are you Allah, are only you we worship. Only from you do we seek help. We have a clear methodology so that human beings, male and female, can access their Lord without an intercessor, but go directly to the Creator of the heavens and the earth. We are carrying this message, and it is our duty to get it over to the rest of humanity. Humanity is also in a social crisis. As strange as it may seem, with all of the so-called United Nations charters and human rights acts, racism is on the rise. And there is more tension between people of color than at any point in time. And in many parts of the world, when I travel, you find xenophobia. That the people of the country don't accept you. You're a foreigner. You don't look like them. You don't talk like them. You don't have the same culture. And so racism is raging on the continent. People are having identity crisis. Even we are finding people that are confused about whether they're male or female. Some is male during the day, and at night he turns into a female. Families are on the decline. They did a recent survey in Canada, and they found out divorce is on the rise, and that people getting married... In in the name of God, male and female in a church, synagogue, or mosque, it has now gone down, and the common law relationships are now on the rise. People don't even want to get married anymore. They just shack up with each other for a couple years, and then they leave. So what happens after that? The younger generation rises up in total confusion, with nobody to give them nurturing, nobody to give them an understanding of their identity, Of their genealogy, of their history, and so confusion, and the confusion comes out in the popular culture. And you hear it in their music, you see it in their clothing, you see it in their actions. And so the social situation of people is in crisis. Canada, I went there this summer, it is reeling, they are in shock, because the same-sex marriages has now been made totally permissible. And so the very infrastructure of the family itself is under attack. Islam has the answer. And no matter what had happened in our Muslim history, even though our political structure of the Khilafat had fallen down at some points in history, but the institution of the family, the extended family, remained for the most part in the Muslim world. And we still have in many parts of the Muslim world, solid families... A man is a man, and a woman is a woman. And we still have that to give to the world. But people are going also into political crisis. Communism has fallen. Capitalism is a fool's paradise. It is falling apart in front of the eyes of the people. And the leaders in our nation, everywhere in the world, you read the papers around the world and you see that people are accusing their leaders of deceit and mistrust and lying to them. Not just here in the UK. It is all over the world. The leaders have been have become the worst of the people. The Prophet in hadith reported by, by Abu Huraira has told us, al-nasi عَلَى النَّاسِ سَنَوَاتٍ fiha al wa وَيُكَذِّبُ فِيهَا الصَّادِقِ وَيُؤْتَمَنُ فِيهَا الْخَائِنِ وَيُخَوِّنُ فِيهَا الْأَمِينِ وَيَنْتِقُ فِيهَا الرُّوَيْبِدَةَ قِيلَ وَمَا الرُّوَيْبِدَةَ قَالَ الرَّجُلَ التَّافِي يَتَكَلَّمْ فِي أَمْرِ الْعَمَنِ The Prophet ﷺ has told us an authentic hadith found in Ahmed and Ibn Majah there will come upon the people years of deceit in which the liar will be believed and the truthful will be disbelieved. The treacherous will be trusted, and the trustworthy will be held as treacherous. And the despicable will speak out. It was said, who is the despicable ones? He said, the lowly, ignoble person who speaks out in pub- public affairs. Sadaka so Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam we find it happening in front of our eyes that the leaders for the most part are the most dangerous, feared people. The worst of society is being brought forward to represent. And Muslims themselves, we are suffering too. And don't think that we are out of this. So, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, my report of the Prophet said, يَكُونُوا عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَرَى sharrun min al majus that the Prophet Sallallahu said, there would be Amirs, there would be leaders on you, who would be even worse than the Majus. And so, no respect for international law. And we are seeing now in the 21st century, the rise of a modern Roman Empire. No respect for divine law, or for any international conventions. The corruption, the power of the leader, the head of state, we haven't seen anything like this since the Caesars or since the Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. Islam has the solution. Khilafa ala minhaj al-nubuwa. We have the solution of the Khilafat on the prophetic model. And it is crucial for us to realize the Amana the trust that we have not only to Muslims but to the whole of humanity. But what is really happening outside of us? What is happening in the society around us? What is occupying the minds of the people? This is an economic crisis we're in. Our environment is destroying us. Our families are falling apart. But what is happening, the masses of the people are being helplessly helplessly preoccupied consumerism, fighting for their Coca-Cola and their Kentucky Fried Chicken and their McDonald's. Everywhere, all over the world. I even went to Mecca, well, Iyadu billah, and came out of the Kaaba in this Ben, Ben Dawood place. And then you see Mecca Lotto, a lottery system, and you see, and you can get your Kentucky Fried Chickens and your Baskin Robbins, and everything is there now. And so it's all around the world, any part of the world, You see these corrupt golden arches. Consumerism pumped into the minds of the people throughout the planet simultaneously. Mass indoctrination. Powerful stimulants coming to the television, the movies, the music, pumping people's minds towards sex, violence, and racism. And we also see the rise of drug addiction. There are more people coming into drug drug addiction today than ever before. It is of epidemic proportions all over the world and new designer drugs are being developed every day. Other members of the masses of the people are constantly involved in sporting events. And we go from one sporting event to another sporting event. And sports is sunnah, alhamdulillah. It is part of our way. But the confusion that is going on now, what is being attached to the sports... When this last World Cup, the Soccer World Cup, came, everything stood still. Time stood still, man. And Muslim used themselves Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, and all these names. And they don't even know the Sahaba's name, but you know Ronaldo. Even some of the Muslims start shaving their head in the strange way that he put. Them. And so the, the, the Soccer Cup is going on. It's like the Battle of the Nations. And so one nation is fighting another nation. France is fighting against uh, 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 Japan. It's like a battle. What is the battle over? Grown men kicking a little ball into a net. They're kicking a the little ball and who's going to kick it inside the net? Three times and you kick it inside the net one time. And so my nation has won and everybody cheers and some foolish Muslims themselves stand up there and national anthem goes off and they cry because my national, my flag, my national anthem, and they're crying. And there's nothing wrong with sports. It's a beautiful thing. But what I'm trying to say is if we become drunken with sports, if I get so angry because my team is losing that I beat and destroy and kill another person, I hate another person because his teammate or his his shirt kicked the ball into the net. Then what is really happening? Think about this. It is a form of indoctrination. It is a form of mind control. But above all of this now is the fear of terror. That terror will strike. And all of us are now subject to the terror. Under the cups, around, up in the ceilings. The new terror is on the rise. And recently there was a blackout, you know, in the northeast corner of America. And I wondered to myself and everybody wondered, we said, oh no, they're going to blame us for this thing again. Watch them. The first half an hour of this thing, every person probably had on his mind a Muslim. Is it a Muslim who did this thing? This is how far this brainwashing is going. It's not Muslims who turned out your lights. It is capitalism. It is a confused form of privatization and the misuse of technology and the greed of certain people. Not updating, you know, their infrastructure with the wealth that they have been blessed with. They don't update their infrastructure and then it implodes upon them. But the terror, the terror. Everybody has to be afraid of this terror. The Prophet sallam, said in authentic hadith, يَكُونُوا fi أَخِرَ zaman." مِنَ بِمَا لَمْ تَسْمَعُوا أَنْتُمْ وَلَا وَإِيَّاهُمْ لَا يُدِلُّونَكُمْ وَلَا يفتنونكم. In this authentic tradition reported by As-Suyuti, this is al al the Prophet ﷺ has said, there would be near the end of time, دَجَّالُونَ great liars to the point of being like false antichrists they will come to you with a type of speech that neither you nor your parents have ever heard of before beware of them beware that they take you astray beware that they put you into a fitna he did not speak from himself he spoke from above seven heavens we see it come to rise today with digital technology. They make what, 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 what is, is true seem to be false. And falsehood seem like it is true. They lose us in cyberspace somewhere, lost in space. They can now take your picture and make you talk with your words and put false words into your mouth that sounds like you and beaming around the world simultaneously and people say, well that's him. I heard him speak. That's his voice. Sadaka Rasulullah alayhi They will come to you with the type of speech that neither you nor your parents have ever heard of before. And so we see it coming to pass in front of our eyes. Great liars turning the guns on the Muslims and putting us in the barrel of decision. What has been our response? In the response of this onslaught, this false accusation, especially after September 11th, Muslims have reacted in a number of ways. From these ways, we could look at the following. Some Muslims tried to assimilate, and so they lost their Islamic identity. They tried to assimilate into the society itself. But that doesn't work anymore, man. You can't assimilate. Because they're going to find you anyway. Even if your grandfather was a Muslim. They're still going to know that that, that you came from a Muslim family. So change your name from Ali to Al. Change it from Muhammad to Mo or Bilqis to Billy. But you can't hide. So assimilation is not going to work. And how can you assimilate into a society that is so confused now, that is in its death throes, in its final cultural stages, destroying families, high on drugs, confused about their sexuality. How can we assimilate into a society such as this and get ourselves lost? So that doesn't uh, work. You become like the Fakara of Bani Israel. You have no deen and you have no dunya, man. You're totally lost. Some people tried not to assimilate they try to isolate themselves and bury their heads under the sand. And say, if we just hide in our house, in our masjid, in our corner, in our ideology, it will save us. That's not going to work either, man. Because you can bury your head under the sand, but they know who you are anyway. So isolation is not going to work, especially when the ummah of Muhammad is in such a need, that we are in need of people to go amongst the ummah and to teach the the, the message of Islam. Isolation is not going to work for us. You become isolated and targeted and destroyed. Three, a desperate confrontation. This desperate confrontation in many parts of the Muslim world, especially those areas that are not involved in major conflicts, it it is giving the wrong message. And in many cases, people are being killed who are actually innocent. And it is not the way of the Prophet ﷺ of desperate confrontation. And so this desperate physical confrontation is not working. What is the solution? And Allah knows best, Islamic revival. We need to revive Islam within ourselves, within our families, within the society, we need to show this world what the true message of Islam is, and this revival comes about through the example of the Prophet, alayhi That is the best example, to look and see how Rasulullah sallallahu dealt in the time of crisis, how he dealt when the confusion was over him, when punishment came to him and his believers. Allah told us, لقد كان لكم في Uswatun Hasana, لمن كان الله اليوم In Surah Al-Ahzab verse 21, Allah has told us indeed in the Messenger of Allah, you have a good example to follow. For he who hopes in the meeting with Allah and the last day and remembers Allah often. And so Islamic revival. Islamic revival in the time of crisis. Islamic revival would bring out the mercy. Because it is the Prophet ﷺ, he is the mercy for all worlds. He is the mercy for the environment, the mercy for the economy, for the spirituality, for social life, for political life. But to walk in his footsteps is a serious issue for Muslims now. We can no longer pay lip service to the Prophet ﷺ, and sing a song or chant or on a special occasion come together. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to us in His glorious book in the second chapter in verse 208. يَا 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 o you who believe, enter into Islam completely and do not follow the footsteps of the shaitan. For He is to you an open enemy. He is an open enemy. So enter into Islam completely. Not just in terms of Islamic rituals. Completely. That means in our spiritual life, our economic life, our social life, political life. In Islam it is all tied together. It is not our way to separate one from another. Enter into Islam Completely, Islamic revival begins from within the individual. The niyyah, the intention. And we need to as Muslims constantly ask ourselves, why are we doing what we are doing? Why do we come to the conference? Do we come to the conference for Allah and His Messenger? Or do you come here to get married? Or do you come here to make some money? You have to ask yourself, and the main reason why we are here why we are practicing our Islam should be for Allah and His Messenger to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to enter into His Jannah inshallah this problem that we are facing in the Muslim world and in this planet would not have started if we did not become weak if we did not leave our faith and have tribalism and racism amongst us and leave the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It would not have come amongst us if we did not uh, let usury of interest enter into the Muslim world and corruption entering into the Muslim world. And we will not come out of this thing until we change ourselves. Allah tells us in Surah al verse eleven: Inna Allah ma hatta ma Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change that which is in themselves. No change. This problem would not have happened if we did not start making changes within ourselves. The wrong decisions. So we need to begin to make the right decisions in an organized way. So the revival starts from within the the individual. Self-analysis and reconstruction. One of the greatest blessings Allah has given us. And I would say it's the greatest weapon of the Muslims. It's not a bomb. It's not anthrax, it's not biological weapons. One of our greatest weapons, I believe, is Tawbah. It is repentance. That we are able to make self-analysis and reconstruction. To analyze ourselves, turn in repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to regret the sins that we have done, to make intention not to return to them, to repay back the wrong that is done, to make a complete Toba, and to reconstruct ourselves. So an individual could have been a drug addict, a bank robber. Totally confused. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides the individual, He makes we make the right intentions, we can reconstruct ourselves. It is, it is totally confusing to the historians of secular. Uh, the secular studies. How is the Muslim world coming back again? Rome is gone. Greece is gone. Ancient Egypt is gone. Mesopotamia is gone. How can the Muslims rise, fall, and then rise again? It is a total confusion to them. It doesn't make sense. It logically does not make sense. We're supposed to be finished, man. You're supposed to go to the relics, the old ruined mosques of Islam, and only see where Muslims used to pray. But we're coming back. Alhamdulillah. Because Allah has blessed us with tawbah. With a chance to make reconstruction. And so we need to look at our essence. Taqwa. Whoever has taqwa, the consciousness of Allah, Allah will make a way out for him. Taqwa. We need to go back to our very essence of our beings. Also the proper knowledge of Islam. Questions are coming up constantly. And one of the great issues that we face, especially people coming out of the Muslim world, is the difference between culture and Islam. Because many times our culture is not Islam. eh? We have some ways about us that are Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, even Jewish. We have strange cultures that we are coming out of. Some of it is Islamic and some of it is not Islamic. And so we need to be able to access the, the original sources to go back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi the first generations, to go back to drink from the fresh water of early Islam, and then don't get lost and stay there. Take those principles and bring them alive in the world today, respecting all of the great Imams and scholars who have been part of our great Islamic history. And so, the proper knowledge of Islam. Next, character development. We've spent a long time in our community, generations, focusing on ibadat. We teach the children how to pray, how to fast, how to make hajj. We focus on ibadah, and that is crucial. But mu'amalat, interpersonal relationships between people. There are some parts of the world where I heard a Muslim say to me, I said, brother, I'd like to build a house. And he said, don't go to the Muslim constructors, man don't ask a Muslim to build your house. Because he'll rip you off. He will steal all your wealth. I said, wait a minute. I said, brother, I would like to have a carpenter. I would like everything I asked for. He said, don't go to the Muslims. Why is this, man? Because we're not focusing on character. That same Muslim may be perfect or or, or excellent in his Salat. He might have just come back from Hajj. Al-Hajj, Fulan, Fulan. And then open up his shop and raise the prices. He may have just fasted in Ramadan. And then after the fast in Ramadan, start swearing and carrying on and not going back to the masjid. So character. The Prophet ﷺ has told us an authentic hadith, ma'usnul akhlaq. This is reported in Al-Muatta that the Prophet ﷺ said, I have been sent to complete the best in character. Character. When the Prophet ﷺ was asked, what are the two affairs that will take people, that will mostly let people go to paradise, he said, Taqwa Allah wa husnul khuluq. The consciousness of Allah and good character. And what are the two affairs that mostly take people to hellfire? Al-fam wal-faraj. The mouth and the private parts. Sadaka Rasulullah. We see it in front of our mouths, man. Our mouths, lying, backbiting, scandalizing, confusion. This is where the Islamic revival begins from the inside of the individual. The individual, and we need to pray to Allah subhanahu wa taala for balance, hikmah, wisdom, fi mahali, putting things in the proper place. Sometimes it's not the amount of knowledge that you have, but it is how you apply that knowledge. It's not memorizing hundreds of of, of ayat and ahadith, alhamdulillah. But when the doctor interviews the patient, if the doctor looks at you and just says, okay, uh, take these pills and go, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't have the wisdom. He can give you not enough medicine, it won't cure you, or give you too much medicine, he can kill you. But the wisdom is to take your temperature, take your body weight, understand your medical history, see the symptoms, and then he prescribes the medicine. So the wisdom, the hikmah, not going to one extreme or another extreme. Ummah wasata, to be the balanced ummah. We are so in need of this today. Also, in the times that we are living, it is the time of unity and cooperation. This I believe amongst Ahlul Sunnah wa Jamaah, is the call of the times. We need to begin to unify with other Muslims, the people of the Qibla, and to to give honest, sincere nasiha. To begin to pray for each other, to begin to support each other, and not isolate ourselves and leave each other alone. Also a positive attitude. This Islamic revival needs to have positivity, not negativity. It's a win-win situation for us. And when the Prophet ﷺ used to send out his companions on a mission, he used to tell them, tu nafiru, yasiru tu asiru." He would say, give glad tidings to people. Don't drive them away. Make it easy. Don't make it difficult. Don't make things difficult. And so that is the time that we are living in today. Finally, Dawah. In this revival, the reaction to this beast which is coming over our ummah now, this false accusations. We need to come out of ourselves and to show the world what Islam really is about. We have the answer for the environmental situation. We have the answer for the economy—an interest-free system. We have a non-racist system. We support the building of the families. We have a system where we have our our leadership is underneath divine guidance. It is not man-made system. And so we have beautiful gems to give to the society, but there are no more prophets to come. And if you're waiting for the Mahdi to come, Allah knows when he's going to come. And a thousand years ago, people thought the Mahdi was right outside. So it's on our shoulders to carry this faith, as the Prophet ﷺ had said, Spread this message, even if it is one ayah. So I say in conclusion, to the dead and the Kadabu, who have come to us, with a type of speech, that neither we nor our parents have ever heard of. I say in the spirit of the Prophet wasallam when he received the message from Musaylimah, Musaylimah wrote to the Prophet ﷺ and said, from Musaylimah the Messenger of Allah to Muhammad the Messenger of Allah. You take part of Arabia, I take the other part. I'm translating back. The Prophet ﷺ wrote back to him and said, from Muhammad the Messenger of Allah to Musaylimah al arda ibadi This earth belongs to Allah. And he will give it to whom he pleases from his slaves. And the best reward, the true victory is for those who have taqwa. Those who fear Allah, those who hope in Allah, those who surrender their lives completely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah give us this understanding. May Allah bring Islam alive in our hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon the weak of the Ummah of Muhammad Wasallam. May Allah have mercy upon the women and the children of the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم. May Allah give strength to the men, the leadership. May Allah give leadership to the men of the, uh, the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم. And may Allah help us to be of those who would sacrifice our lives for His cause. May Allah give strength to the, to the weak. May Allah give hope to the oppressed. <laughs>
0: We have about uh, 10 minutes um, or 12 minutes or so. Um, If there are any brothers who want to raise a discussion point or just simply to make a comment, um, could they please raise their hands and I'll try and select the the hands, inshallah, properly. And if any sisters have the time in the next 10 minutes to send in a question, then they may do so. But we have to break at about 8 o'clock so that we can prepare for prayers at 815 Maghrib and Isha will be at 8.15 at Stamford Hall, the same place where we had lunch today, inshallah. And then dinner will be served at 9 o'clock, inshallah. So if you have any questions or want to make a comment, would you please raise your hands? Yeah. yeah.
1: Nah, it's the brother's question now. Nah. Well, really, the question is that, you know, we need to come out of our shelves, but many years of good can be destroyed by false propaganda. We can only go forward. It's the way of the Prophet we find in his darkest hours, like in the time of the khandaq and things. They still came out of themselves. And so, you know, it is the way of Islam. It's a win-win situation. We have to go forward, man. And you'd be surprised how far a kelima can go from a Muslim. Now, Allah blesses that, that word, it can go a long distance. But the spirit that, that we're using now in coming out of ourselves is discover Islam. Non-confrontational. Because people all around the society, even after September 11th, although this negative propaganda is there, the average person wants to know, what is Islam, man? Like, what are you people really about? And if they don't hear it from us, they're going to hear it from CNN or Time Magazine, you know, or, or, or some other uh, secular medium. So, so we have to, in an organized fashion, you know, hit the airwaves. We have to go forward whenever we can. This is not easy. It needs training. We need to train ourselves, to prepare ourselves, and, and, and you know, humble ourselves to Allah and and, and go forward, man. We have to come out of our shelves. because if we don't. Then they're gonna tell the world who we are. And we can see what they're trying to construct now. What they're trying to, 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 to prepare. So, so we need to come out of we, we need to come out of our Now, floor is open. There's a brother in the back who's got a question. Okay, and it says in a society that promotes evil, sex, drugs, crime, etc., can Islamic revival take place in such a society without isolation from the evils of society? Or can the reconstruction take place in a land of Muslims only? And if so, what can uh, one do against a leader uh, that is worse uh, than the Majus? For, the leaders, for, the, for, for, for this leader do not allow this revival. Is the struggle a physical one um, uh, that needs taqwa, or does the answer lie in the da'wah? Okay, um, there is a certain amount of isolation that is needed. And that is that we need to develop, even within a non-Muslim society, we need to develop uh, areas, pockets of Islam. Um, One of the examples that we studied about the spread of Islam into West Africa in the ancient kingdom of Ghana is that when the Muslims penetrated the Sahara, the desert, they lived in the ancient king of of Ghana and they they, they, they they were scribes, they benefited the society, they were trusted people, but there was a section of the town, if you go in that section, then you find the Muslims there. And so the Muslims have their masjids, they have their madrasas, they have their halal food, but they, ha- they had a relation, they benefited the society and the society uh, 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 benefited them. And so if we are living within these lands, and this is the reality, we still need to have uh, a protected area in the sense that masjid, community, it is important to develop an area like that where the drug dealers will not go into these areas, right? and, and where our children can feel safe to walk to school. That that is important for us to develop it, and then and then to, to really go forward uh, with the dawah um, to bring the, the the message of Islam openly and straightforward out to the people. Okay? Questions? Floor is open. No. Brother in the back.
2: alaikum ya Jamatul Muslimin al Muslimat. On this day one we are very delighted to go with one idea at least we have made a great achievement with this Islamic revival this is a very very important topic that you've given to us and may God bless you and uh, why I'm saying this is that um, some of uh, some incidents are happening now that, has, that had happened long ago with men like uh, Colonel Gaddafi, who stood you know in this same picture, and people blamed him for all these acts of violence and all that, and he was much more of a soldier, such that, is it possible for us to to direct some of these commanders on the front line, that uh, some of the actions are actually uh, uh, giving us some some more problems rather than advancing us? Because a lot of things can be done these days, especially in this computer age, whereby you can go to the internet to challenge certain issues. Uh, At one time, somebody was challenging about uh, halal meat. And I was wondering why, with all these multitudes of Muslims, no one could come to the internet and vote against such kind of ideas. But however, the few Muslims had to challenge the issue. And even the Jews, they decided us. That was the very first time we had a similar idea. You see, such that, such that um, sometimes we need to be discussing our future plans, as the Prophet used to do. Because at one time I can remember when uh, Dr. Buadi in our own mosque at Brixton Road was discussing al-Talak Suratul talak to us about marriage and divorce. Uh, it seems as if. This question of uh, freedom of expression started in those early days of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because all these big big scholars, they gave their own views about marriage and divorce and they were all recorded. Such that uh, we are very happy to know that most of the innovations these days come from our own self, even though we are not being being, uh, praised for that. But we quite uh, obviously know that Islam is there to stay. But however, it is left with you, our, our leaders, to certainly warn some of these uh, uh, people who do act without our own
1: approval and consultations, mm-hmm. which might lead us into more problems. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yeah. Okay, um, Allah knows best. Um, I believe that we need to begin the revival with the individual. Because really, uh, for a long time you know, people have looked at Islam like other, sec- like other secular systems, looked from up, down, from the elite and then hierarchy and then down. But really Islam is a popular movement. It begins with the individuals. And so, you know, it's quality, not quantity. It's not about quantity. So it's important for us to begin with ourselves, you know, with our families, with our communities, and to try to get that balanced look at Islam, go back to the early sources, you know, and then, you know, with that wisdom, then go forward. Try to speak to the world. Be clear with the world. Many of the the leaders in the Muslim world, many of them are hopeless. There are some of them you can talk to, but many of them are hopeless because they're more afraid. They they care about their own power and themselves more than their own people. And so um, we can't worry about them at this point in time. We have to deal with ourselves. And we have to deal on the level that we're at. There may be some amongst us who can give nasiha on that level. If there are those who can give nasiha, they need to go on that level and even give the leaders of Islam nasiha right to their face. But at least for the level that we're working on now, we need to try to, you know, get into ourselves, our families, sincerely try to purify ourselves and and prepare us, you know, for the major changes, inshallah, that I I believe will be coming about very soon in the world. Okay?
0: Now, question We'll make that the last question, I think, because we want to finish at 8 o'clock. So, if the Brother, you have the last question. Yes, brother, you raised your hand. Jazakallah khair for your talk. Uh, just very quickly, please, Sheikh. Uh, yes, um, you mentioned the Islamic solution to the economic crisis. When you, talk, when you try and uh, speak to Muslims and non-Muslims and say, look, interest is haram, mortgage is haram, they say, okay, well, what, what, what's your solution? Everything nowadays is based, based on interest. Could you very quickly say how we can answer them and, an overview of that? that well, of you? you know,
1: there, there are Muslims now who are working on um, Islamic economics. And um, it's not easy because, you know, the interest has touched all parts of society. As the Prophet ﷺ said, the time would come when the fire of interest, it, it, it would touch everybody, even the dust of it. You know, it, 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 would be, it would be burning the Muslims. And so it's all over the place. But, you know, to to take the the, the money out of interest-bearing banks, not to be involved in direct interest uh, transactions, and then to set up our own credit unions, you know, our own uh, type of housing cooperatives where we can, you know, purchase property and then let other Muslims buy the property without, uh, you know, taking a bond, you know, pooling our our resources together, right? And then eventually, you know, buying land, you know, getting gold, silver, you know, more actual, uh, you know, uh, objects, items that have intrinsic value. Instead of putting everything in these false, promissory notes. We have to come out of this system. So alhamdulillah, we do have some experts in uh, the economy who are working on it now. Many parts of the Muslim world, are intru- uh, they are introducing Islamic banks... You know, they are moving now towards the interest-free economy. Muslims are trying to get their money out of the interest. But at least what we can do is to try to, to stop involving ourselves in direct interest contracts. Right? Direct, uh, 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 you know, uh, contracts where you sign, try to stay out of that as much as you possibly can. Make toba, clean up as much as possible, and invest in gold and silver and things that have value in itself and not just the notes. If you live in some of these countries, you may be a millionaire one day, and you may be a pauper the next day. Okay, because if, if, your, if, your, if your currency goes down, the currencies rise and fall like this, man. And then the whole trick of, of the U.S. dollar, it's supposed to be the, the most powerful currency in the world, but, but America has the greatest debt of any country in the world. They're debtors, man. So how is the U.S. Do- dollar the strongest currency? <clears throat> this is a, a new type of science. Or maybe it's an old science. You know, you have biology, and uh, this one is tricknology. It's trick-nology, man. That's a science, okay? And, and it's illusion, setting these illusions right in front of our eyes. And, and this economic system is an illusion, right? That has been set in front of our eyes, and we need to try as much as possible to go back to Islamic dealings with each other, where value for value, right? and and, and where we are actually looking at the land. And and coming out of the false monetary systems. Wallahu Aam.
0: Thank you very much for that. Jazakumullah khairan. We have to finish, inshallah. We have about 15 minutes before prayer time. So I suggest, inshallah, we go and do wudu and get ready for prayers. Our dinner will be about 9 o'clock. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, Fajr is at 5 a.m. again at Stamford Hall, inshallah. And then breakfast later on.